Hi, everybody. Welcome to the mine. Uh, my name is Steve Hulsman, and we are in the middle of a 10-part series on the Ten, part, uh, ten Commandments. Uh, before we get started, though, uh, I do want to just offer up uh, one thing in prayer with you. Uh, you, you may have seen in the news today uh, a, a young man at uh, my daughter's high school, a senior at Tempe Corona High School, uh, decided to take a gun and end his life this morning. And, and we can only imagine the, the, the trauma that his family and friends are experiencing. So, so if you would pray with me just for a minute before we get started. Dear Lord, it, it's, it's hard to know what to say when this kind of tragedy hits, except to ask that you would be true to your promises to reveal yourself and be true and faithful to those people around him, to his family, to his friends, to his teammates, his coaches, uh, to all the students at that school, that you would be glorified as always, even in tragedy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to talk today about the fourth commandment, which is maybe up on the screen at some point here, uh, which is remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Now, how many of you saw the movie uh, Chariots of Fire? Raise your hand. You know this is the story of Eric Liddell. And Eric Liddell was a a world-famous, world-renowned track star. He was somebody who had set a number of records, and he was on par and on pace to win one, maybe multiple uh, gold medals at the 1924 uh, Summer Olympics in Paris, France. But the one thing that Eric Liddell loved more than winning races was his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Eric Liddell felt that if he ran on a Sunday, that was something that violated his view of the Lord's Day, his view of the Sabbath for Christians. He, on the Lord's Day, on Sunday only would worship God and rest. But he found out about six months before the Olympics that the one of the qualifying heats for the 100-meter dash, his race, his ideal race, would be on Sunday. And he made a decision not to run. Now, he made the decision not to run. He also, what's not known, is he didn't run in other races they thought they could win a gold medal in, the 4 by 100 and the 4 by 400 He ran in the 200 and lost. He ran in the 400, and while it wasn't his race, it was considered somewhat miraculous, maybe a blessing of God, that he actually not only won a gold medal, but he set a world record. But yet here is is Eric Liddell doing this thing which we laud him for, making a very noble choice. But yet, where in the Bible does it say that we should honor the Sabbath on Sunday? Where does it say that we should should take the fourth commandment and import it into this century and into last century? That's something that I want to talk about today. Was it just a noble choice that he made, or was it something that we should be abiding by in our lives here in 2015? This subject has been debated probably for 3,000 years by Jews and by Christians. And if you came wanting the answer to all the questions tonight, we're not going to get them. I don't have all the answers, but what I can do with you is I can trace through the history of the Sabbath... I can talk about and we'll show you the Bible verses up on the screen that talk about the Sabbath, at least some of them. And then we'll talk about is, is a Sabbath observant required for us in 2015? Or if it's not, is it something that even has any relevance for us uh, whatsoever? 
Now, the Sabbath is, that word is, is derived from the, uh, in the Hebrew, from the word sabbat, which means to, ste- to cease or to stop or to keep. It actually appears in the, in the, in the uh, New King James Version of the Bible 159 times. It's 96 or 100 or so in the Old Testament, about 59 in the New Testament. Now, the history of the Sabbath has its genesis literally in the creation story. You know that God created the world over the course of six days. On the seventh day, he did what? He rested. So, and and each, time, each day, he said it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested. But yet, in the Bible, we never see anything about the Sabbath for the next over 2,000 years. He never tells Adam to observe a Sabbath. He never tells Noah. He never tells Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Joseph to observe any kind of Sabbath. The first time the Sabbath comes up is in Exodus 16. And it comes up in the context of the, the people of Israel who have been slaves for 400 years. They've been chained to their jobs for 400 years. And now they've been, they've been released Moses has led the children of Israel out of slavery on the way to the promised land. And some short period of time before the Ten Commandments are actually given, you remember there is the the institution of manna, which is something, a a white uh, substance that could be cooked into bread that the children of Israel could gather every day. And they could only gather enough for that day or it would go bad. They would gather for that day and then gather the next day. And it was a sign of God telling them, look, you need to rely on me on a daily basis to take care of you. But the exception was the Sabbath. On the seventh day, you, there would be no manna. So on the sixth day, you had to gather, tw- gather double, and then it would keep over till the next day. And this is the first reference in the Bible to a Sabbath. God told Moses, tomorrow is a Sabbath, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. It is a Sabbath rest. Now, just weeks or months later, we have the Ten Commandments which are given. And I've loved the perspective that we've gotten over the last uh, three weeks from, from Bill and from Greg, that the Ten Commandments were something given to the people of Israel who were being brought out of slavery. And, and it is given and is written in marriage language, covenant language between God and his chosen people. This was a group of people who didn't know how to live free. They had, had lived for 400 years as slaves. And so this is, the Ten Commandments are a love letter, a love contract. They are telling these people, this is something that we get to do because we're free, not necessarily something that we have to do. And that's most pointed when it comes to the fourth commandment, which is remember or observe the sa- Sabbath to keep it holy. Because if you're a slave for 400 years, uh, which day of the week do you get off? Now, which, uh, what holidays do you get off? None. You work 365 days a year. Do you eight-hour days? No, you probably work 18-hour days. You start working as a slave in chains as soon as you're old enough to make bricks. You make bricks and you carry bricks every day of your life. You stop making bricks and your life ends when you're of no longer of any use because why waste food on a slave who can't work? So this is their life. So now God comes and what he says in Exodus uh, chapter 16, he says, I'm going to give you a Sabbath. I'm going to give you a Sabbath rest. So to people who for 400 years have worked every single day in slavery, they're saying, we get to rest? And yet in 2015, when I first started thinking about resting, talking about a Sabbath, it's like, oh, come on, God, I, I got to rest? What, 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 are you, what are you talking about? We have to rest. 
But this was a gift to the children of Israel to be able to rest. So we see in two different places the Ten Commandments. Uh, and we traditionally look at it in terms of Exodus chapter 20. Uh, but it also, the Ten Commandments also appear in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Now, interestingly, the language between the, the two readings of the Ten Commandments is very, very similar with one significant difference. The only substantive difference between Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 is the fourth commandment. And we're going to get to that in, in just a little bit. But the, the fourth commandment in Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is in your gates. Nobody could do work on the Sabbath. Now, this, the Sabbath uh, commandment also came with a pretty strict penalty. If you didn't obey the Sabbath... Uh, you were killed. And it says that repeatedly. And you were stoned. This is the execution of choice. No lethal injection uh, drug. This is what happened. There's a story in Numbers where there is a man out gathering sticks on the Sabbath. And he's caught. He's brought to Moses. Moses goes to the people of Israel. And and they, they go outside the camp. And every one of them picks up a rock. And he doesn't get slapped on the wrist. He doesn't get a ticket. He doesn't get a fine. He doesn't get jailed for a week. This man gets stoned. So what do we do with that? My first thought was, wow, that seems kind of cruel. But maybe, maybe this is God saying, I need to take drastic measures to show people who have been slaves that in order to live as free people, they need to learn how to rest. They need to be able to obey this commandment. So we proceed from there. And also in the law, there are various feasts which are considered Sabbaths. We might call them holidays. There also was what was known as a Sabbath year. Every seven years, the Israelites were commanded to let the land rest or lie fallow. They weren't allowed to plow the land. They weren't allowed to reap. They weren't even allowed to go into their olive groves or their grape vineyards and, and pick anything that grew that particular year. Now, this was going to take some trust because what are they going to eat that year? Well, God promised them that if they would abide by this in the sixth year, he would bless them with three times the yield, enough for year six, enough for year seven, and enough for year one in the new cycle as the crops grew toward their harvest toward the end of the year. But the Israelites didn't comply with the Sabbath. They didn't observe the Sabbath. They particularly didn't observe the Sabbath year. And what we find is that toward the end of their tenure in, in Israel, they're being attacked by their enemies. And finally, the remaining two tribes in Israel, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, are taken away into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. And it's called the exile. And they spend 70 years exiled in Babylon. And the Bible talks about the reason for that is disobedience. But one of the prime examples for disobedience is that they didn't follow the Sabbath. In particular, they didn't follow the Sabbath year. If you look at Ezekiel 22, there are a number of places where God says, I am punishing you, putting you into exile because you profaned my Sabbath. And in Second uh, Chronicles, I think it's uh, chapter 26, it says, 
that the length of time in exile is tied to their not observing the Sabbath years. It says this was done to fulfill the word of the prophet Jeremiah because the 70 years correspond to the, the, the Sabbath years missed. They had been in the land for about 490 years. They had not observed the 70 Sabbaths during that time period. That's how long they ended up in exile. Well, the exile started to be over. Nehemiah came back to the, the, the city of Jerusalem. He built the wall. He realized that the Sabbath was important to the people of Israel. So he reinstituted the observance of the Sabbath. And over the course of the next few hundred years, the religious leaders in particular of the, the nation of Israel realized we need to follow the, the Sabbath and we need to follow it religiously. And so the group that ultimately became the Pharisees was hyper-vigilant, hyper-technical, and frankly hypocritical about how they applied the Sabbath. So into that particular world walks Jesus. And we'll talk a bit more about how Jesus dealt with the Sabbath. But in summary, what Jesus did is he didn't really teach the Sabbath. He didn't teach about it. He answered some trick questions that they threw at him. And he disobeyed the Sabbath. And he tried to teach some lessons about the Sabbath to the people around him. When Jesus died, what, what day did he die? What day of the week? Friday. Which, what day did he rise? He rose on Sunday. Which day of the week, which Jewish day did he stay in the tomb? It's the Sabbath. The early Christians, uh, it, it, there's some debate about when they actually worshipped, but the, 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 as far as I could tell from my research, it looked like for the first 300 years or so, mostly the early Christians still worshipped on Saturday. There was some worship on Sunday, but it was mostly on Saturday. That changed with Emperor Constantine with the Roman Empire in uh, the early th- 300s A.D. It was, uh, I'm not sure you care about the exact year, but it was 300, 321 A.D. where the Emperor Constantine, who is a pagan sun worshiper, he is, he's having a, a, a big battle with his brother or half-brother or somebody, and he's trying to take control of the empire. And he sees a vision and a dream of a fiery cross, and he thinks he's supposed to follow that cross and, and lead his armies under the sign of the cross. He wins the battle. He converts to Christianity. He forcibly converts his army to Christianity and the Roman Empire to Christianity. One of the things he does in that particular year is he issues a decree that no longer will Christians worship on Saturday. They'll worship on Sunday. Now, there's, And that, that is when the, tr- the worship on Sunday begins in earnest. And there's some criticism, I understand, of, of him, the thought being that since he was a sun worshiper and a lot of his army, p- being pagans, were sun worshipers, he was mollifying them, changing the worship of God to Sunday. And it's kind of interesting, but when you think about it, Saturday used to be called Saturn Day, and Monday was Moon Day, so I'm really not sure when, when you were supposed to do it. But, but that Sunday begins with Emperor Constantine. The Roman Catholic Church in, I think it's... Uh, uh, 336 A.D., the Council of Laodicea formalizes the, the edict that worship of God for Christians and Catholics will be on Sunday. Now, over the course of many hundreds of years, uh, this, this, uh, the Lord's Day becomes essentially the Christian Sabbath. And really, until 30 or 40 years ago, it was observed fairly religiously without the strict adherence and, uh, fortunately, without the penalties. Um, but so, so that takes us maybe to, to, to me being a, a, a young boy in a small church in Ohio. It was a small Baptist church, and, and we, 
on Sundays, we went to church twice, and on Wednesday night, we went to, to prayer meeting. But Sundays were designed for worship and rest and family, and that was it. That, that's what we did. And we didn't, we didn't work on Sunday. We didn't play organized games on Sunday. Um, I, I was a, a high school basketball player and was fortunate to, to be in a little all-star game. It was on Sunday night. I was prepared to not play. Um, I'm actually really thankful that my dad, who was the coach of my team and a very devout Christian, said, mm, I think maybe it's okay for you to play. Maybe he was sort of opening his eyes to some of the things that, that we're going to talk about. But at that time, stores weren't open on Sunday. Uh, the only way you could work was go to the office back then. Remember that? Some of, some of us actually remember that. Uh, and so, so offices weren't open. And, and Sunday was a day of rest. But since then, we've gotten further and further away from that. And now we live in a 24-7 society where work is constant, where play is constant, where volunteering is constant. We're just deluged with things. And I want to talk about whether the Sabbath concept has some meaning to us today. But, but let's start with, okay, for Eric Liddell, for, for my church growing up, was observance of the Sabbath, was that something that's required? Are we still required to follow the, the fourth commandment? And, and hopefully not the penalty, but, but are we still required to, to follow that? Or, or is it, it, was it something, was it a good idea? Was it a noble idea? Is it good for us? Or is it just an outdated thing that we can just kind of laugh and off off and, and push to the side? So, uh, that's what I want to talk about here, here with you some. Now, uh, before we get into that, though, I did want to share the, uh, some of the restrictions that came with, with strict Sabbath observance. And I got this from Shabbat.org. These, this is not historical. This is the, the modern Jewish uh, conservative observation of the Sabbath. So from a few minutes before sunset on Friday evening until the appearance of three stars in the sky on Saturday night, uh, the, the, you are not per, uh, permitted to write, erase, tear, no business transactions, no driving or riding in cars, no shopping, no using the telephone. You can't turn on or off anything using electricity, no lights, no radios, television, air conditioning. Oh, how about that? Uh, alarm clocks, no cooking, no baking, no fires, no gardening, no grass mowing, no doing laundry, and the list, list goes on. You, you, you get the idea. So this debate about are we required to, to follow the fourth commandment, I mean, it, it's been raging for a long time, and there still is a lot of disagreement. And, and I don't come to you saying that I have all the answers, but I want to walk through some scriptures and see if we can help understand maybe some of the positions, and, and you can reach a decision for yourself in terms of what the Bible says about it. But some people are definitely going to feel more strongly about this than I do. There may be people out here you feel more strongly about it than I do, and, 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 and that, that's okay because I don't come here thinking that I have all the answers on this. And as an aside, I, I take kind of a simple view of, of doctrine and theology. To me, there are certain very core things, things that really matter. Jesus is God. I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sins to pay the penalty. He rose again. He therefore redeemed me, restores me, and someday he'll glorify me simply because I'm accepting his free gift. I can't get to heaven on my own. Beyond that, there's a lot of debates about predestination and election, about the end times, about the Sabbath, and, and I think they're interesting. I just have always thought that God wants us to spend more time loving each other and serving each other and serving the poor than getting too wrapped up in divisions about this kind of stuff. And, and it also has struck me that, you know, there are some 
religions. Uh, the the Latter-day Saints, for example, have a book called Doctrines and Covenants. Uh, there's 66 books in this Holy Bible, and not one of them is called the Book of Doctrine. So that has always struck me that if there's not a book of doctrine, that we need to be focusing on what Jesus said, what Paul said, what the Bible says. And that's a lot more about what we should be doing and how we should be living our lives as opposed to one doctrine uh, versus another. But there definitely are some people that feel differently. You look at uh, companies like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A, not open on Sundays. I remember when when Chick-fil-A first came to Arizona, I was excited after church we were going to go there for lunch. (laughs) And initially, I was kind of irritated. I was like, wait, I mean, what, I, I, wanted to go, I wanted to eat at your restaurant. And then, I, oh. And, and these are companies that, that are, are very, very successful, and they've taken a stand. And, and I don't know whether these companies do it because of a strict observance of the fourth commandment or because, as their websites say, as I looked at them today, they want to give their, their employees and their families the opportunity to worship and rest without feeling like they have to work. And they've taken, they've taken a stand to do that, even though Sunday is maybe the busiest restaurant day and one of the busiest shopping days of the week. And, and I can admire that. But look at the Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, I, I really didn't know a lot about them except their name, Seventh-day Adventists. They believe in the Sabbath. They believe in a fairly strict observance of a Saturday Sabbath. They believe the Fourth Commandment continues in some fashion today, although I think without the penalty. And, you know, I went on their website, and they have, because I've heard things about they're a cult, they're this, they're that, and I never really thought about it. I went on their website, and all I can say is they had 28 core beliefs listed there. And 27 27 of them kind of sounded like Cornerstone. Now, you could pick, there's probably some things that are a little different here and there, but it sounded like a mainstream Christian uh, religion. It, it, It sounded quite good. Uh, in, in just skimming it. But the 28th is that we believe that, that Saturday is the Sabbath and should still be observed. And if you look at it, they've got some biblical support for their position. And there's some biblical support for a number of different positions. And, you know, what I do for a living as I'm a lawyer, as I've looked at this, I could make a pretty decent argument for any one of these positions. Um, I have some arguments and some thoughts I'm going to share with you. But the Seventh-day Adventists rely on a number of verses... This is one of the primary ones. Jesus said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. They say, Look, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. The law is going to exist and continues to exist without one little dot being gone. And if not one dot is gone, then where's the fourth commandment? We should still be following it. So I want to explore this. And the first thing I want to start with is, what are the purposes? What does the Bible say are the purposes of the Sabbath? And just, if I can just kind of throw that out there. Anybody have a purpose for the Sabbath? Why did God give it to us? Yes. But we, we do have the microphones. Uh, James, running fast with the microphone. You, you run faster than your dad, I can tell. God gave us the, uh, the Sabbath to rest and to also remember him and to sanctify his name and to give uh, praise and honor to all that he has done. That's why he gave us the Sabbath. That's good. What, what, other thoughts? 
the Bible lists four different reasons for the Sabbath, and, and this gentleman is, is, is right on, and, and, so, and, and hits, hits a couple of them, really. Uh, the first one is Sabbath is designed for rest. The very first discussion of Sabbath, when the people of Israel are getting man, man on, they're being told that they're going to have a Sabbath, God says to them, see, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It's a gift. It's rest for slaves, rest for animals, rest for the land. Then we get to this significant difference between Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Because the second purpose exists in Exodus 20. After the verses we read before, it says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. A second purpose is, is for us to remember that God created the world, that everything that we have and are and exist in and will exist in, everything is created by God. Here's the difference, though. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, after roughly the same wording of the fourth commandment, there's a different purpose given. And remember, you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So here's a third purpose. It's to the children of Israel to remember that they were slaves and they were delivered from slavery by God's strong hand. And then there's a fourth purpose. And that appears in two different verses. The first one is, is Exodus 31, 13. And this gentleman, I heard him say, sanctify, I believe. And you're right on. Because Exodus 13, 31, 13 says, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So it's a sign that, that God is the one who sanctifies or sets apart the children of Israel. The same purpose is repeated in Ezekiel 20.12. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. So what did Jesus say and do about the Sabbath? You may recall that the, the Pharisees were repeatedly coming to him trying to trick him up. And one of the things they thought was a tricky question was to say, which one of the Ten Commandments is the most important? And, and you know his answer. He looks back to them and he says, I love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the most important. And right close behind it is love your neighbor as yourself. And, and as usual, they kind of went, ah, uh, okay. So, so that's it. He, he summarizes the commandments in that fashion. But we, what we also see him doing is seven different recorded miracles on the Sabbath. And I've wondered, why is he doing those miracles on the Sabbath? Well, he appears to be really making a point. And in some of them, he just heals the person. He heals somebody with a withered hand. He heals somebody who's crippled. He heals blind people. In some of them, he just heals somebody. And there's some criticism of, well, you're healing on the Sabbath. That's work. And, and, and there seems to be a progression because in another, another time he heals a, somebody who's crippled and he says, pick up your mat and walk away. Well, picking up your bed was illegal. That was prohibited on the Sabbath. And they said, you're not allowed to do that. And then there's another miracle and it always kind of mystifies me. And you may remember this one. Jesus encounters a blind man and, and he's going to heal the blind man. But he doesn't just say, receive your sight if you have faith. No, he reaches down 
and he picks up some, some dirt and he, and he spits in his hand, makes a little muddy paste and he puts it on the guy's eyes. And then he says, I want you to walk to the pool of Siloam, wash your face off and you'll be healed. And the guy does it. He goes and he comes back and he says, why, why go through all of that? Now, is it just a, trying to test this guy's faith? But then you realize this is the Sabbath. And my take on that is that Jesus is removing any doubt that healing is, in fact, work on the Sabbath. He is break, He's looking at these guys going, hey, okay, if this is the line in terms of breaking the rule, I'm going over here. Okay, I'm going over here. I am breaking your rules because picking up the dirt, making the mud, spitting it, it's all work. And, and as I understand it, that walk to the pool of Siloam is way past what a, a permitted Sabbath day journey would be. And so he's making a point to the Pharisees that you're being hypocritical. The law has a purpose, but it's not a purpose unto itself. That it is okay to do good on the Sabbath. He's making a point that their rules have, have, have just taken over the, the very purpose that they were initially instituted for. But yet there's another story that doesn't involve doing good because his point was, is it okay to do good on the Sabbath? Can I heal somebody if I break your rules? Um, this other story is interesting, but, but, and I'll get to it. The, the, the thing that struck me too is that you don't see Jesus making an example of breaking other, the other nine commandments, do you? You, never, you don't see him committing murder and saying, see, I can do that. I'm God. Or I can steal. I can covet. I'm going to have this little idol. He doesn't do any of that. The only commandment that he makes a point of breaking is the fourth one, is the Sabbath. And in one particular occasion, there doesn't appear to be any good reason for it. He and his disciples are walking through a grain field. They're hungry. They're not trying to heal anybody. They're just hungry. And they start picking some grain. And you've got to think, okay... There was that guy who, uh, who was picking up the sticks back in Numbers, and you know what happened to him? Well, the disciples are picking grain and eating it on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees say, hey, you're not allowed to do this. And, and you know, the reality is the disciples, they, they, they could have they put some food together into a pouch the day before on day six, on Friday, right? So on Saturday, they didn't have to do work. They were doing work. But Jesus responds um, in, a, in a pretty harsh way to the Pharisees. And what he says is, I, I don't think I, I don't have this verse. What he says, though, is the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And I think part of what he's trying to show these folks is that, look, you have come up with all these strict rules trying to obey the Ten Commandments, thinking that you can work your way to heaven. And you can't do it. You look at the Sermon on the Mount, remember what Jesus says there. He says, okay, you, you Pharisees, you say you haven't murdered anybody. Well, you know, that's, that's actually good. Uh, but if you've hated somebody, you blew that one. You say you haven't committed adultery. That's good, if I, if I really believe you, because some of you have, but you won't tell the truth. But for those of you that haven't, if you looked at a woman and went, hmm, um, you blew that one. And then the one that really bothered me, he, used to, he said, you know, if your hand bothers you, cut it off. If you're lying, cut your tongue off. And you think, Jesus, what are you saying? But then it occurred to me what he's saying, because it's in the same context. What he's saying is, even if you cut your hand off or you cut your tongue out, you can't get there by doing it yourself. You can't get there by working. You can only get there by me. And I'm going to show you because I'm going to go to the cross. So Jesus is making this point. 
And he's also saying that the Sabbath is for, is for the man. They've kind of lost control of it. But still, as I looked at this, and I looked at what, what did the Seventh-day Adventists say about this? I thought, well, this is pretty compelling. Well, what they said was, no, Jesus wasn't saying you can disobey the Sabbath. He's not disobeying the fourth commandment. What he was disobeying is the hyper-technical, hypercritical, hip, 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 uh, uh, hypocritical ways that rules that the Pharisees had put in place. So I want to throw out there for you, and then I want to spend some time talking with you about, about what the Sabbath concept means to us. But I want to throw out for you three thoughts or maybe three arguments about why we really aren't required to follow the literal rules of the Sabbath from the fourth, uh, the fourth commandment. And, and let me see if I can throw them out there. Uh, the first one is, is, as I read the Old Testament, and I think Greg was making this point a couple weeks ago, the we're not throwing the Ten Commandments out, but the Ten Commandments are part of a larger uh, book of laws that were given to the nation of Israel. They were given to a nation of Israel. We're, we live in a different country. We have a different set of laws. Some of those incorporate some of the Ten Commandments, murder and stealing, uh, but we don't incorporate uh, other ones. In fact, if we enforced all the laws, because we can't cherry-pick, uh, then, then we would be, if, if we were actually stoning people for committing adultery, can, can you imagine that? Oh, well, you know, someone comes up and, and they repent and, and uh, we're, we're going to stone them. That's, that's, we'll talk about that in a minute, but we would, we'd be getting in trouble for that with our, own, with our own laws. But think of all of the other portions of the law that we don't follow. And everybody agrees we don't follow them. And I made a list of a few of them here. Um, when's the last time that you uh, went to an animal sacrifice? Uh, when's the last time that we did uh, a day of atonement or the feast or festivals that are part of the law? Uh, what about the clothing and the tassels that the Old Testament talks about? What about circumcision? And what about pork, you know, the other white meat? Um, we, don't, we don't follow any of those rules. So why is it that we should be compelled to strictly adhere to the Sabbath? And, and if you look at what Jesus said, you know, that the commandments, uh, the Ten Commandments can all be wrapped up in love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the Sabbath is the one that I can't quite figure out which, which place it fits. And you kind of got to twist and look sideways at it to fit it into to one or the other. So, so number one is it just seems like it's a set of laws that was designed for the people of Israel as part of the marriage covenant to get them from being a slaves into operating as a free people. The second one is that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. Keep in mind, again, that Jesus was in the tomb during the Sabbath. Keep in mind those verses that we read that said that the, the Sabbath, one of the four purposes is it'll be a sign that I'm the one who sanctifies you. Well, after Jesus comes, after he dies, after he rises again, there's no need for any sign because we've got it. Jesus is now the sign. He is the vehicle of sanctification. We don't need it anymore. Leviticus 16.31, talking about the Day of Atonement, the yearly sacrifice of an animal, the perfect animal whose blood covers the sins of the people. That, that's the imagery. Um, what God says about the Day of Atonement is, it is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever. Well, we don't do the Day of Atonement anymore. 
It is not a statute forever. It is a Sabbath that was a sign of, of the death of Jesus, of his, Jesus' blood covering our sins. In the same way that uh, complying with the Sabbath was a sign of God being the one who sanctified the people of Israel. And I, and I do, I think it's so symbolic that Jesus spent the Sabbath in the tomb and then he rises again. So Jesus, uh, he fulfilled the law that's clear. I think he actually fulfilled the entire purpose of the Sabbath with his death and resurrection. And then the third is that the, the law's purposes were accomplished. Paul writes in Romans that the law was designed to show us our sin. And that once we saw our sin, we realized our need of God. When Jesus comes and pays the price for our sin, we no longer need that reminder. Now consider the source. Paul was a strict observer of the Sabbath. He calls himself a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I think he says something like, uh, with a zeal, a Pharisee, as to righteousness, blameless. He says, I followed all of those little rules. But yet Paul never says we're supposed to follow the fourth commandment religiously. In fact, he says quite the opposite. If we look at just, just a few examples... Colossians 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. A few verses later, let no one judge you regarding Sabbaths. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. All of these concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. He says, don't let anybody judge you about Sabbaths. Why are you subjecting yourself to regulations? Galatians 3.19, what purpose does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions until the seed, Jesus, should come to whom the promise was made. Galatians 3.23, Before faith came, we were kept under the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Folks, we're no longer under the law. We are free. Galatians 4. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God. Isn't that cool? It's not that we know God. It's that we are known by God. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? What are the weak and beggarly elements? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Galatians 5:13 For you were called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself Romans 13:8 For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law for the commandments you shall not commit adultery don't murder don't steal don't covet covet and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love 
is the fulfilling of the law. And then last one, Romans 14. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord. He who does not observe the day to the Lord, he doesn't observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. He who doesn't eat to the Lord, he doesn't eat, gives God thanks. This is part of a much longer uh, description where Paul's saying, look, there's a lot of debate in the Christian church then about should we be following the old law? Should we, uh, can, can we eat pigs? Can we, should we eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols? Should we be observing Sabbaths and festivals and moons? And what he says is, you know what? Do what, do what God convicts you to do. Don't judge each other over it. You know, I'm not going to be mad at Jim if, if he observes the Sabbath strictly and I don't. And he shouldn't be mad at me. We shouldn't be judging each other. He's saying to love each other, not to get wrapped up in this, but he is saying this is not required. I mean, let's face it, there are even things that, that Paul said we shouldn't do as Christians that, that we don't follow anymore. I mean, I was, uh, you know, hitting about 20 years old in 1980. And I was, grew up in a very strict church, and it was about time I decided I was going to grow my hair out. And my parents weren't so happy about it. So my parents would say, Steve, haven't you seen in the Bible that Paul says it's a shame for a man to have long hair? And this wasn't the rock and roll conversation. This is just a hair conversation. But it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And, and you know, I, I said, well, that's good. But I, I read that verse. It also says it's a shame for a woman to have short hair. And mom's got short hair. And it says women shouldn't speak up at church. And there was somebody who sang in church the other day. And, and it says that, that, that women should, be, should wear coverings on their head. Mom doesn't wear a hat on her head. And, and oh, and by the way, it says she shouldn't wear makeup and, and earrings and jewelry. And she does that too. Well, none of this went over very well. <laughs> But the point was, these, we are not designed to live under these restrictions. The new covenant is not a set of rules. The new covenant of the New Testament is to flee from evil, do good works, and worship God. Love God, love people. So, does that mean, if, if, if I'm right, and, and I'm not saying I am, but if I'm right that the the fourth commandment really isn't a requirement, um, then, then what, what does it mean for us today? I mean, for example, if, if Sunday is really the Lord's Day, I look at the pastors and the people in the band and the, and the singers and the people teaching Sunday school and the ushers, and I'm thinking, and some of you are those people, and you're working really, really hard. You're not really strictly complying with a Sunday Sabbath because you're working very, very hard. And, 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 and so, so what is it that it means? One place that I start is to think, you know, when I look at these Ten Commandments, there are eight don'ts, and there are two do's. The do's are, are honor your father and your mother, and honor, observe, keep the Sabbath. And if you think about it, you know, we get so focused on the don'ts, and, and non-Christians get so focused on the don'ts. Oh, yeah, and, and when you're a kid, it's like, oh, you just don't want me to have fun. Well, God's not trying to keep us from having fun. The only reason those don'ts exist is that God's trying to keep us from hurting ourselves or from hurting other people. But there's a whole lot more do's in the Bible than don'ts. Take care of the poor, uh, love each other, a whole lot more of those. But but what is it that that Sabbath can mean to us? 
What is, I mean, we live in a 24-7 uh, society. I mean, we're, we're working. It, we're, we're, uh, you know, I got my, my phone, and I'm as bad as any of you, maybe worse. I've got my phone and my computer, and, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm laying there watching the game, and I'm looking at my phone. If I got an email, I'm, I'm getting back to somebody. Or Facebook. I don't really do Facebook, but I understand some people do, and, and I've observed it in my house being used quite frequently. Uh, or, or Twitter or, or whatever it is, the electronic stuff. Even volunteering. We're so busy. We're just going and going and going and going. What, what, what value does a Sabbath rest have to us? Or, or can we just blow this off? Is this just something old and kind of anachronistic? Uh, you know, what Eric Liddell did, that's nice. Or what we did as, you know, in my Baptist church, that's kind of nice. But, but it doesn't really apply today. Uh, any, any thoughts? What, 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 is, what can the Sabbath mean to us today? Does, it, does anybody here have some Sabbath traditions, some Sunday traditions. Do you set apart Sunday for anything in particular? Anything you don't do on Sundays? Or do we do it all? I'm glad you're here. <laughs> well, well, actually, um, it's funny, you know, that we're in this because um, what I do with my family is we observe a Sabbath rest from Friday sundown till Saturday sundown. And what I try to do is we'll stop everything. So we'll cease with the phones and the television and everything. And we'll sit around as a family and we'll, you know, pray. We, we actually read the Bible and we pray. And I just let the Holy Spirit, like, just go from there, you know, and we'll just sing Praise you, God. you actually talk to each other? Oh yes, yes. Are you texting each other? Or are you talking? No, no, to no, each no, no, other? no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. We we sit in a nice dark, you know, room or, or mm. you know, um, or whatever, and just and just let just just let the spirit flow, you know. And I'll just talk to my wife, you know, uh, you know, like about her week, you know, and and the kids they'll talk to me like about their day and whatever. But most of all. We will always give thanks to God for bringing us through a awesome week, a beautiful week, a awesome day. We'll go to bed maybe about nine o'clock. Get up in the morning on on Saturday. No television, no nothing, just quiet time, and it actually works. So, hmm. uh, so we really just focus. And we make it a point to focus because, as the word says, you are what you eat. So we really just give it our best to just observe him and just give him glory on that day. Because there's no excuse for us not to. You know, I mean, because we can grab a phone, we can grab the Internet, we can find something to do. But why can't we just say, you know what, the world knows, I'm sorry. Get away. It stops. Get away from me. We're going to give our Lord praise hmm. as we do during the week. But it's just that one, you know, just one day also that we're just going to turn all the TV, electronics, the phone, turn it off and just give him praise. Three, they're uh, um, 10, 11, and 12. 
So do you do this because you have to or because you choose to? I do it because I think it's both, somewhat. Um, Over the past three years, I've been sort of kind of studying a little bit of Judaism and Hebrew, you know, as well as, you know, being here and, and whatever. And it's it's just like this little journey that I'm on to really grasp the those the richness of the word of God and the in the original language that it was written. So it's a little journey that I'm on, hmm. you know, so I'm just kind of there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, oh, yeah. 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 That's me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so, somebody. Somebody else, please. What I try to do is, uh, I have internet, but I very seldom ever use it. Um, I think it's full of negative things. I um, I choose to spend time in the Word every day before I start my day. I almost always listen to music in my home. I just don't watch TV. There's nothing good on. Um, I choose to spend my time at church or church activities with other people to uplift and edify because we are in so many negative things, and I feel that all the busyness and the, the, um, the headlines and things that are out there today are very discouraging to people, and I want to be encouraged and encourage other people in their walk in the Lord because a lot of people are very depressed because they're looking to blame the government. They blame this. They blame that. Facebook, whatever it is. The the lawyers, they blame the lawyers too. (laughs) Well, yeah, the lawyers, the ambulance chasers, yes. Um, No, we we have to choose how to spend their time. And I spend um, a lot of time in my garden and I just do the be still and know that I am God because sometimes mm-hmm. you have to just stop and look around you and listen to the sights and sounds that nobody ever does anymore. And since I had a nervous breakdown about 30 years ago, I promised I would stop every day and just look around me at nature and the beauty that has been given to us that we take for granted and just praise him for what I do have, not what I don't have. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I applaud both of you uh, because were, were, I, were I sitting out here, I wouldn't have my hand up uh, because um, you know, this, this is all, as I have studied this, it, it is challenging me to think about you know, what, what kind of things... What kind of things do I want to do in my family? And, and I want to make some suggestions to all of you. With, with, but I, we have another hand back here. While we're getting the mic back there, I do think that God has some things to say to us that are countercultural about these issues as, 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 you, as you two are putting to, to effect in your own lives. So I, I can't see yes, you because Steve, of the lights, but go. Uh, why did Jesus say, if you love me, obey my commands? Uh, well, if, and that, that's repeated also through John in a number of different places. The evidence that we, uh, that we love Jesus is if we are 
uh, doing the things I've talked about. We flee from evil. We're doing good works. We're doing the things that God has asked us to do. Um, he certainly didn't say, if you love me, follow the Ten Commandments. He said, if you love me, do what I've commanded you. If you look at First John, there's a number of places where it says, uh, how, how do you know people love God? It's because you're doing what God's asked you to do. Uh, but I think, I frankly think a lot of that is not only fleeing evil, but it's all the positives, the things, the, the, the do's that God asks us to do. Love people, love others, serve the poor. Uh, does that answer your question? Um, we have another hand back here. Okay. Um, I I do agree with those two people right, right there. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not very good at not doing, uh, wrestling on Sundays. I'm, Welcome I'm, to the club. <laughs> um, I usually do homework on Sundays, that's why. And I sometimes stress on Sundays because I feel like I'm not going to finish homework on um, before it's due. But I've been starting off doing my homework on Saturdays. But when I do my homework, I usually listen to Christian music, and it, and I do agree with the lady that it, sometimes I just take a rest and just think about everything and look at the nature and what God has created, and that'd be it. That's good. Let, let, me make, let me share with you, I think, five observations about a Sabbath rest in a modern world. Uh, and and here's, here's the first one. Keeping the Sabbath prevents work from becoming an idol to us. And if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, a lot of that talks about keeping us away from idolatry. If you look at the sequence of the Ten Commandments, the first ones are all about not having idols. Have no other God before me. No graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't misuse the name of God. And what follows is Sabbath rest. A Sabbath rest is a way to keep in check that work becomes an idol to us. The second one is that rest is really necessary for us. God understood from the beginning what farmers understand now is that the land needs rest. The animals need rest. We're created in a way that needs rest. Is it any coincidence that with the proliferation of a 24-7 society with all of the ability we have to connect to work, the convenience and the ball and chain that that comes with, and all of the social media and everything else, then with the wonderful Medicare, uh, medical care that we have in this country, that we have heart attacks, we have all kinds of anxiety and stress-related diseases, all kinds of problems because we were created to rest. And, and if we don't rest, we're going to die. There's even a law of diminishing returns. You know, all of, you know, I suspect everyone in here has had periods where you worked way too hard. At some point, it just diminishes. We're, we're made to rest. A third is that, that Sabbath, the concept of Sabbath, is, I think it's a lot about reflection and worship. You think about, about the creation story. How is it that the Almighty God, who never sleeps, who never rests, needed to rest for a seventh day. You know, do we really think that the creation for six days was so hard that he just kind of sat back on the couch and turned on a game? N no. Almighty God rested. What did he do? He said, it's good. What he did was he reflected on the wonder of creation. And I think he's teaching us, since we're created in the image of God, that we should not only be resting. 
It's not just sitting back on the couch. It's doing what you two were talking about, is reflecting on the goodness of God, reflecting on what's happening in your life, actually talking to each other, reflecting on the creation, reflecting on the fact that, that, that God created everything, the second purpose of the Sabbath, reflecting that, God, we didn't get called out of slavery in Egypt, but we got called out of slavery to sin, and we're now redeemed. We're free people. Reflecting on what God's done for us, I think, is, is a very important piece of it. You know, if, if, if I'm preaching to the choir here because you, you folks are in church here on Tuesday, uh, but if you're too busy to go to church, you're too busy. You need a Sabbath. If, if, you're, if, you, if you need an extra day to kind of make up on the work, you need a Sabbath. If, if you're volunteering all the time and there's not time for your family, you need a Sabbath, even if it means cutting back on a little bit of time uh, working at church. And by the way, the staff's on a retreat in Williams, so I can say whatever, we can say whatever we want here. But, but, but seriously, we need, more, we need more people to volunteers, not the volunteers to do more uh, in, in the church. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, at least in my view, it doesn't necessarily have to be a Saturday or a Sunday. It doesn't necessarily have to be a 24-hour period. It's finding places for Sabbath rest. You know, for me, it's, it's been a transformation in the last six months. I've never had a, a regular daily devotion. And you think, what are you doing teaching the mind? I don't know. They asked me. But, but, <laughs> but, but I, would study, I would study the Bible in binges. But I could go a few weeks without studying and thinking it was okay, and it just wasn't. And then, you know, like a few months ago, you know, you know how Lynn, Lynn will preach? And he's a wonderful preacher. And sometimes the close, a lot of times is, you know, if you're in pornography, you need to find Jesus. If you're committing adultery, if you're living with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, if you're in, into alcohol, if you're into drugs, if you're treating people bad. And I, honestly, I kind of sit back and go, preach it, brother, because I don't have a problem with those. But, but then about six months ago, he stood up here and he said, and some of you go to the gym every day and you work out for an hour and you don't have, you don't have 15 minutes for God. And I thought, oh, man. Because I go to the gym every day for like an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and a half, and I go, oh, no, don't talk to me. And, and so I, you know, I started, I got into this devotional, Sarah Young, uh, finding, uh, finding uh, peace in God's presence. And my wife and I have been doing it, and it's just a wonderful thing every day to spend a little bit of time in the Word of God, even if it's two or three minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, to just have a little bit of rest. Find the places for rest. two more points that this is not only a rest for the body, but it's a rest for the soul. And here's, here's a verse, and I love this verse. Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke on you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that wonderful? I will give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. Your yoke is easy. My burden, my burden, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I got to tell you a little story about this verse because I had this verse in, in this class. I've had it there for quite a while and I was working on this yesterday. Uh, there, my house has, has been tumultuous uh, for a while, and especially in the last couple of days. There have been a lot of difficulty with my kids. Um, it's just been a very difficult period of time. Uh, last night was extremely difficult, uh, difficult for, for my wife. And it was a very emotional period of time. And uh, so this morning she comes to the table and she picks up the uh, Jesus Calling book. And, she's, and I said, why don't you read me the devotion today? Because I'm too busy getting ready for the mine. Um, and it says, Many of my precious children have fallen prey to burnout 
a better description of their condition might be drain out. And you've got to understand, my wife is the ultimate giver. She gives and she gives and she gives and gives to the kids. She volunteers. She does all of these things. And she kind of kind of hit the wall last night. Countless interactions with needy people have drained you without your conscious awareness. You are among those weary ones who are like wounded soldiers needing R&R. Time to take rest in the love light of my presence. Listen to that. Time to rest in the love light of my presence. I will gradually restore you the energy that you have lost over the years. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will find, and you will find rest for your souls. And I looked at her and I said, you realize that's the last verse I'm going to put on the screen tonight? And there were tears in both of our eyes because she said, you know, last night I just said, God, please say something to me. Please speak to me. Please give me a message. And here it was. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and you'll find rest for your souls. Find a place for rest for your soul. The last thought is that, that Sabbath is also about trust. Because if you're working really hard, you think, man, I got to go 24-7. Or you're volunteering. People need me. People, if I don't do this, what's the school going to do? What's the teacher going to do? What's, what's, what's the people at church going to do? How is that going to work? Well, it's a really a principle of trusting God. Remember those, those Israelites. They were being asked not to work one day. You're not working as a farmer that day. They were being asked for a year, don't plan anything. Trust me that I'll give you enough if, if you'll do it. For us, it means, wow, what if, we, what if we actually took a day where we didn't work? What if we took a day where we turned everything off? What if we, what if we took some periods of time where we actually rested and we didn't work? Trust God. You know, if, if, if you're a successful business person, if I think about, uh, about, about my life, uh, if, whatever modest success I've, I've had, is it because I worked really hard? Or is it because God blessed me, because God brought things to me? Is, is, is it maybe that? I think back a number of years ago, I was, I was at a different church, and we lost our pastor, and I was very involved in the board and the pastor search process, and I didn't have enough time to devote to my law practice. Well, I got to the end of the year, and the finances were way better than they'd ever been before, but somehow I hadn't worked the same number of hours. If we just trust God with Sabbath rest, let him accomplish his purposes. I want to close with with this thought. Remember the children of Israel. They got out in the wilderness, and there were times when they said, Moses, why in the world did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? We were way better off as slaves. We got fed when we were slaves. We knew what to do every day, make bricks. Now that we're free, we have to trust God for provision. We have to do some of the stuff ourselves. We have to make our own decisions. Think about that. They were slaves in Egypt. And then when they were free, they became slaves to the law. We're no longer slaves to the law. We're free people in Christ. He wants us, though, to make choices, to understand that the Sabbath is still important. And maybe, maybe when we ignore the Sabbath entirely, Maybe what we're doing is just returning to slavery. We're just wrapping ourselves up again. Think about that. When I work 24-7, seven days a week, why am I doing that? 
Slaves were doing that in the, in, in, the, in the land of Egypt. They were freed from that. We were freed from that. God says to rest. He gave us a gift of Sabbath. The idea of rest is an absolute gift. Uh, and I'm talking to me as much as I'm talking to you. Let's find ways to take advantage of it. Let's understand that we ought to be dropping the chains, taking the freedom that he's given us, the freedom not to just randomly disobey the rules, but to seek after God, to, to rest, to remember that God created everything that we have, to remember that we were once slaves to sin and now we've been redeemed, and to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who sanctifies us and frees us. I, boy, I, I'm going to have to try to practice what I preached and I'm going to go and think about this. And, and I would just, you know, encourage you to think, you know, maybe, maybe there's something that God has for us here uh, with this concept of, of a Sabbath. Now, I don't want to cut anybody off. We've gone for a while. Does anybody have any, any closing comments? Anything to say or questions before, before we close? Okay, I thought I saw Hannah. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for each person here. If somebody's listening online, I thank you that, that, that they're here as well. I pray that we would just, just throw off the chains, the chains that keep us working and just constantly going, to realize how countercultural it is to actually rest, to find times for rest, to time, find times for reflection, to find times to connect with our family in real, real ways. Maybe just to take a few moments each day, each week, to just be still in your presence. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Would you all sing that with me with your eyes closed? Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Lord, may we find times to be still in your presence. We pray this in the name of your glorious son, Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks everybody for coming. Look forward to seeing you next week.